Uh, good Wednesday evening, everybody. Hope all is well. This has uh, kind of been crazy. This is our Sunday edition on a Tuesday that's now on a Wednesday of Mental Dimes College Football Podcast. Uh, we've got uh, Coach Tuck on here as a guest, and we'll uh, do a little bit of housekeeping and then get right to it. Uh, please follow us at mentaldimes.com for all your sporting needs. You got everything from all the major sports as well as handicapping uh, games, helping you uh, bet some money. I know TMAX big into that. You can follow us on Twitter at Mental Dimes CFB <clears throat> for specifically the college football Twitter handle. If you want to interact with me, I am at NG Triplet. He is at TM Swish. You already know, hitting off tees and draining tees. And back with us once again, we have at Tuck underscore Coach. So you can interact with any of us uh, during the show or after regarding any of the things we talk about. Uh, tons of stuff going on as the uh, college football playoff inches closer. The regular season about done. We've got some championship games. Um, so a lot of stuff to go on, uh, talk about. Um, so uh, at, uh, at Tuck Coach, sorry, um, may have said that backward. At Tuck underscore Coach, you are on here um, before one time, but certainly uh, I know you're a big Michigan fan, so I'm sure you've got a lot of thoughts about uh, uh, the Michigan-Ohio State game, and we'll get to that momentarily. Uh, I want to talk about just some of the – some of the breaking news this week, um, and we'll start with one that, that just came out um, today, and I want to get this one over with because I hate dwelling on the negative. Nebraska football interim head coach Mickey Joseph arrested on suspicion of domestic assault. Um, so uh, he was arrested Wednesday afternoon on suspicion of strangulation and third-degree domestic assault. Um, wow, what a horrible uh, event to have have happen. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Nebraska is wanting all the news to be um, positive about their new coach, uh, Matt Rule, which uh, we'll get to next. But unfortunately, a black eye for the program as their uh, interim head coach was uh, arrested for assault. So um, don't necessarily want to dwell too much on that, but uh, it is noteworthy. It is newsworthy. I don't know if you guys had had a chance to see that or read anything about that, but certainly a disturbing, uh, disturbing situation. So, um, all right. So let's talk about um, all kinds of coaching changes going on this past week. Uh, Stanford coach David Shaw resigns after 12 seasons. Excuse me. Uh, as head coach and 16 overall uh, as a, as some sort of coach at Stanford. He is their winningest coach in Stanford history with a 96 and 54 record. Obviously the uh, had a big win this year against uh, my beloved Notre Dame fighting Irish. Um, man, it's, it's uh, someone been there uh, 12 seasons as head coach, 16 overall and to have that record at Stanford uh, certainly says uh, a lot about his coaching ability. Um, Wish him the best of luck. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. I have not heard of uh, who may be in line to uh, succeed him. Stanford, obviously, uh, a tough place to coach just because of the uh, the academic standards. Uh, plus, you're over there, you know, competing with uh, USC, uh, Oregon, UCLA, at least for the time being, anyway. Um, so, certainly a tough job. Uh, have you guys heard anything about who may be in line or who's interested in this or who Stanford may be looking at? I did hear a rumor of a uh, former Stanford guy coming back. I just can't place the name at the moment. 
Okay. Well, certainly if that, if that comes to you, uh, let us know. Um, former Oregon and Florida state head coach, Willie Taggart is out at Florida Atlantic university, FAU. Uh, he was there three years and went 15 and 18. Um, he is, he's sort of struggled. Uh, you know, he struggled at FSU, uh, took over there as a rebuilding program. And now he is out at Florida Atlanta, uh, Atlantic university. And uh, so now let's get into maybe some of the, the rather the, than people leaving or being fired, we'll talk about some uh, new coaches coming in. Uh, surely everyone has heard of this. Arizona State hires Oregon offensive coordinator uh, Ke Kenny Dillingham as head coach, who becomes the youngest head coach in a Power Five conference. Do y'all like the hire? Obviously, we saw what uh, Oregon's offense is capable of this year. Um, what do you think of that hire? I think it's a good hire. You know, Arizona State's got to change something up. I mean, they've been down for a while. They've been in the negative spotlight. Um, I, I think it's a good hire for Arizona State. Just try something different. You obviously said it with how high-powered of an offense Oregon's got. So it's a – I like the move for the for the Sun Devils. Especially after – I mean, they, they got rid of Herm Edwards, correct? Correct. He's already that back on TV. Yeah, he. I mean, very low scoring mindset, play possessions. I think having someone who's going to come in and change that culture for how they want to do things is is a good call. So I think uh, yeah, certainly you bring in a hot shot uh, offensive coordinator. You would expect to see that offensive vastly improve to your uh, point coach. Uh, let's go to the other side, though. Let, what does this mean for Oregon and, um, you know, new head coach Dan Lamming up at, uh, up at uh, Oregon? How does this affect him? I think, and y'all can jump in if, if you disagree, I, th I think the offensive coordinator position at the college level is, is, is an extremely important part of the game, especially for uh, a lot of these young quarterbacks. You know, who, who, who spends the most time? with the with these with these younger guys it's on the offensive side of the ball it's the offensive coordinator you know in the pros sometimes you'll see the i think the coordinators are, are, are a big part of the professional level as well but but you'll see you know you've got different skill coaches at the professional level. you've got quarterback coaches sometimes even the head coaches will still call the plays at the nfl level but the the, the offensive coordinator position at the college level i think is really important that's a big loss for oregon right there you know dillingham he's from uh He's from Phoenix, so he's kind of going home. You know, he's he's had a uh, a really good high school career there in the Phoenix area, Chaparral High School, which I think is where Spencer Rattler went. Um, so he's he he's had a lot of success. So he's going home. I think it's a great hire for for Arizona State, but at the same time for Oregon, I think you're losing a big piece for for that offense and and, and Bo Nix. I think he really rejuvenated Bo Nix's career this year and. And Oregon, Oregon looked like kind of like the old Oregon, high-powered offense, scores a lot of points, and they were they were really sharp this year. So losing Dillingham is going to be a, a a big role to fill there at Oregon. And and let's not uh, forget that the head coach, you know, his his background is, is as a defensive coordinator. So uh, it's not as if uh, you know the it's head coach ha has been an offensive coordinator and can, can kind of step in, you know his expertise is on the defensive side. So they've got to find, um, you know, somebody to, to replace him. No easy task. I wouldn't think. What do you think coach? I think my biggest concern for them is the PAC 12 is in such kind of limbo right now because of the funding issue of their TV deal. 
Uh, Oregon at least has a really good name and a good brand, so that's going to pull interest. But do you want to go to the Big Ten? Um, what's the Big Ten? They're getting close to $100 million a school, or and what's the Pac-12 probably going to get 20 I mean, that, that's a huge difference in what you're going to be able to pay someone. Um, I don't know if the name brand is going to pull people in as much as the money. Yeah, certainly. I, I think um, um, m money definitely uh, is a big factor. Uh, however, if you can get somebody who uh, maybe is not a, an established coordinator, but is ready to be a coordinator, um, you know, that can come in or maybe have uh, haven't been a coordinator at a, at a smaller conference or smaller school, you might could get them in there, uh, you know, to step up into, um, you know, this conference. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. All right. Uh, let's talk about Auburn. Uh, interesting dynamic here. So Auburn hires Hugh Freeze as head coach uh, from Liberty. Liberty started out the, the year, I would say, on fire since they're the Flames. Um, you know, Tyler and I talked a little bit off, uh, you know, this week about, man, once these rumors really started heating up and, and once uh, Lane Kiffin made it clear that it wasn't going to be him, boy, it kind of looked like uh, Liberty kind of nosedived there. So I don't know if that's a case of um, – you know, being distracted uh, from the head coach or maybe the team's being distracted, but it certainly didn't finish out these last several games uh, nearly as strong as they started out. Now, uh, interesting too, uh, Auburn is keeping uh, Carnell Cadillac Williams as the associate head coach. Now, he was wildly popular, I think, with the team, with the players. Uh, so I think it's a really good move to keep him. You know, obviously he, you know, he played there and, 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 Really, I thought coached well in those last few games that he had. Uh, so I think that's a good move there. Obviously, Hugh Freeze has some baggage with the SEC. And uh, um, so there are some people skeptical of that, you know, that he he uh, had had some uh, sanctions and some penalties, and, and now he's coming back. Um, now, look, uh, whether you, you like him or not, certainly he's made some mistakes, but you know, um, I look at Lane Kiffin as an example, a totally different set of circumstances in the mistakes he made, but, but Lane Kiffin certainly um, did a lot to uh, rub people the wrong way and alienate people when, when, when he was younger. And I think he has totally uh, rejuvenated and reinvented himself. Uh, he's shown lots of maturity. And so hopefully uh, people will afford Hugh Freeze that same opportunity to, um, you know, take a wait and see approach and, and give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but there are, there were some serious, uh, issues, uh, his first time through in the SEC. W what are your, your initial thoughts, you guys on, on Hugh Freeze coming, going to Auburn? Look, Hugh Freeze, um, I've said this on the show before and, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of second chances and, uh, I think Hugh Freeze has, has, has made the best of it at, at Liberty. You know, he, he did his time. He, he, after the Ole Miss, incident all that stuff went down he 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 stayed out of coaching for three or four years and then got back into it at liberty and look whether or not you like the guy i mean if he's if he's out there on the market you know i i don't think anybody i don't think a big school would have taken a chance on him um right off the bat after after the old miss incident and then you know he, he he did his time set out for a few years and then then a smaller school in liberty uh picked him up so i think that that kind of gave him maybe uh like an opportunity to get back to the, to the big level, which he's getting right now, he's getting another chance at uh, a power five program at, you know, the best conference in football. And um, 
Look, if whether or not you like Hugh Freeze, the guy can flat out coach. I mean, he's he, he's a darn good football coach. He had success at Ole Miss. Um, you know, he's had success wherever he's gone. Arkansas State. He's got a, a seventy six and forty seven uh, career coaching record. So the guy can coach. I think it's a I think it's a good move at the time. I think maybe if 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 a Power Five school had tried to get him right after the incident was over, I think that might not have sat well. But but since Hugh Freeze has has done his time, uh, sat out. Um, and then coached at a, at a smaller school. I think he's now getting his second chance uh, at the SEC. And uh, well, let's hope he, he 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 behaves this this go around and and makes the best of a of a second chance right here. What are your thoughts, Tuck? Uh, as a Big Ten guy, you're seeing what's going on down down there in the SEC. You know, uh, I agree with T Mac. I love it when a person. I mean, we all. I mean, I think we've all done dumb stuff. We all have, especially those of us have coached, we have those moments where we we lose ourself, we lose our way. And I know I like would love second chances on a lot of things. Um, I'm worried for him. Auburn is kind of a mess. And, kind of. It's, it's in a complete disarray. I agree with you there. Okay, I was trying to be nice. But that's <laughs> my point. If this is his second chance and he's walking into an absolute mess – I mean, I don't know. God might not be able to resolve Auburn's, you know, problems in the next couple of years. And then, like, if Hugh Freeze doesn't do it, well, we knew he couldn't do it. Look at what he did to Old Miss, and look at the fall down that they had at Liberty as last year. You know, the narrative—if he doesn't succeed, he's put himself in a situation where he has to win. His entire career, his entire reputation is on the line with this decision. And that just worries me for him. Okay. A great point. And that brings me, I was going to wait to talk about uh, this next one, but I'm going to bring it up now to, to tie into your point. So the Deion Sanders saga, I think he, at least right now, is handling it very well. Uh, and, and kind of the thing I would I would have thought Hugh Freeze might have done, except that I think he's an SEC guy, but is this the best uh, situation is this the best fit so like you said Auburn obviously a, a dream school uh, big time uh, athletics but they are in a mess that athletic department that the athletic director came in you know that kind of thing and I think sometimes you're better served waiting for the right situation now look I'm not in Hugh Freeze I know nothing about him I don't know him and, and maybe in his mind this is the right situation because if he can go in and fix it boy he is he can uh, write his own ticket. Um, but it brings me back to Deion Sanders. You know, he they've mentioned that uh, he's been offered, I believe, the Colorado job. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has not indicated where he's going to take it. But that would be uh, not that he would ever ask my advice, but that would be my thoughts to him is, look, I, I understand you you want to, um, y- you know, take that next step in your career. But is this the right move? You know, can you can you be as effective uh, there as, as you'd like? Um, and that would be the, the, the thing. And it ties right into the Hugh Freeze thing is just because you, you get an opportunity doesn't necessarily mean it's a better opportunity. Um, so, yeah, but I think Auburn, I think Auburn's too good of an opportunity to turn down. You know, it's, you know, I, I don't think Colorado and Auburn and they're not that. And I, I totally agree with you. I think, I get what you're saying. I think you know Hugh, but but also look at yourself in your in Hugh Freeze's shoes. He's probably thinking, how many of these opportunities am I going to get? You know, yeah, that's yeah. You're dead. You might not get another Auburn. Auburn might be the only big time program that's willing to take a a, a risk on him. 
you know, and yeah. Dion's Dion's gonna and and I've got I know we're gonna talk about all this throughout the whole show. I've got Dion later in the show, but um, you know, Dion Dion's gonna have opportunities, you know, as well as he as the success he's had in at Jackson State. He he can afford to wait it out. I don't know if I don't know if Hugh Freeze. I, I don't know. I don't know. He might be getting other offers, but I just don't know how. I don't know what's on the plate for for Hugh Freeze coaching wise. This he might have he might have to take something like this, even if right. it is kind of a mess. All right. So let's move on to Matt Rule at Nebraska. Uh, he's a Nebraska guy. Uh, my initial thought was same sort of thing. I thought I was just talking about with Dion. Is 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 this the 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 move you want to make. I mean, you, you stand to make a lot of money um, from your uh, buyout and then you can go to mm-hmm. your TV deal. But if you're, if, if you're a Nebraska guy, uh, but they're a bit of a mess too. Um, and uh, you know, you, you saw how it went um, uh, with, with the last couple of coaches. So I think he is a, a, a huge upgrade. No disrespect to those other guys. I think Matt rule can flat out coach, um, but you're, you're certainly putting yourself into a, a difficult situation, but I think it's a great hire by Nebraska. I really thought Matt rule would sit out, you know, at least one season. Um, but I think it's a fantastic hire. I think Matt rule, in my opinion, at the college level, is kind of a camp miss as far as, as recruiting, being a player's coach, uh, offense, uh, that kind of thing. So I think that's a great hire. Um, what do you guys think? I, I think Matt rule is, is the kind of coach that, Look, he, he belongs in college football, in my opinion. He's one of those. He's a college football coach. He um, he's a great coach, and 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 like you you said, I don't think he would have taken a. He can afford to wait, you know. I mean, he's getting eighty million dollars or whatever from Carolina, um, so he he can definitely afford to be patient. Money's no option for him, but uh, I think I you know after we've talked about certain coaches uh, on this show that are. You, can't miss with them. Um, I think they're going to have success. I think Jeff Trailer's one of them. Um, I think, uh, you know, some of these, these bigger guys, Joey McGuire's a great example. He's, he's one of, you know, he's coached with, with Matt rule. Um, I think Matt Rule's going to have success wherever you put him. He's going to recruit. Well, he's going to have his guys fired up. Look, Nebraska is, is, and I want to talk about this later too. And, and overreaction, whatever day it is. Um, <laughs> but, um, I think Matt Rule's one of those guys that his players are going to show up and play for him. He's going to—he'll turn around Nebraska pretty quick, in my opinion. Now, I don't know how—I don't know if they're going to—it's going to take him time, but but Nebraska is going to—it's a great hire. I, I love it both ways. Um, I don't—I don't think I think Matt Rule probably sees this as a challenge, um, and I, I think he wants to be there. I don't think he's just taking the first job that's thrown at him. I think I don't no. think he—he—he—he he, he, he can afford to be patient, like I was saying. So I think both parties are. I think it's a mutual agreement that they both want to be there, and I think it's a great hire for for Nebraska. I think one of the benefits for him is going into the Big Ten West. I mean, I know once USC and UCLA get in, everything will change, and who knows, they might just get rid of the divisions. But next year, um, like you know, you look at the Auburn situation. Auburn's going to play Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. What are you playing in the Big Ten West? You know, exactly. Iowa that can't score on air. Um, <laughs> Illinois fell apart. Minnesota fell apart. I mean, Purdue is the Big Ten West champ. Like if, if I'm looking at that, like, 
I got a shot. Like I can, I can walk right. in next year with a rabid fan base, tons of money and people who are behind me. And once, I mean, once they did part ways with their coach, they actually started playing some teams pretty tall. There's talent there. Um, so I think he's in a much better situation than the Auburn situation. I would agree with that. Let's, um, and just two more and then we can move on. I want to really know when you need to get into the college football playoff and, and some of these other games, but Luke Fickle uh, to Wisconsin. Um, let's, let's uh, another big 10 move. What are your thoughts on that coach? I was shocked. I mean, I guess I understand there's more money in Wisconsin than there's probably going to be at Cincinnati. You're going to potentially like, though, I don't know. Cincinnati's moving to the big 12. I mean, I realize big 10 money's still bigger, but you're at least still moving to a power five conference. He's the only G five coach to make it to the CFP. Like, I don't know if he just decided, wow, I've done everything I can at Cincinnati. Let's take a swing at the next level. If the money enticed him, I, yeah, it's I don't a know similar, similar situation, I think, to um, several years back when um, Brian Kelly was there and, and, and had that run with Cincinnati and gets, gets lured away, uh, you know, to Notre Dame. And then, you know, from there, obviously LSU. And then of course, Marcus Freeman was also at Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I think it, uh, th those guys have done a tremendous job, you know, um, at Cincinnati of, of really keeping them um, into the national spotlight, national conversation. But I agree with you. I, I do think it is a situation of that. What more can I do to uh, at Cincinnati? Because it's tough to win recruiting battles against a Wisconsin or a Notre Dame or an LSU, you know, and I think that you get them to the, you know, college football playoffs. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's uh, should be, you would think is unheard of. And, and he's done that. And, and I think the, the challenge of I've made it there, I want a chance to win. And I think I can do it, you know, at, at you know, at Wisconsin. Um, T-Mac, what do you think? I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of like uh, my coach. I think it was a little surprising. Look, Wisconsin, I mean, it's a heck of a job. I mean, probably the, Maybe I mean I mean I, I would say this over the, my lifetime has been the dominant factor in the Big Ten West for the most part. I know the Big Ten West is down right now, but I mean they've dominated the Big Ten West in my opinion for most most of my lifetime. Um, a lot of success has come out of Wisconsin. They've produced I know a lot of offensive linemen, a lot of uh, a lot of running backs into the draft. So um, they get talent up there to to Wisconsin and. But yeah, I'm kind of kind of surprised a little bit with the amount of success he's won over 60 games at, at Cincy. Um, I mean, he's had a, he's, his his win percentage as a head coach is great. Yeah, you know, he's a Big Ten guy. He's an Ohio State guy, so that might have had something to do with it. Um, but that also kind of surprised me too. Leaving leaving he's leaving the state of Ohio. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Coach Tug brings up the Big 12. You know, since he's since he's right there, they're about to move up. So I was a little surprised. <laughs> kind of weird it's a great hire i think by wisconsin but at the same but i think it's uh i think it was a little strange that i saw saw luke fickle take the job especially with what's going on at cincy i mean he's got he's got things going every year and since he's on the verge of moving up so i was a little shocked to see him leave he had what nine draft picks last year at um, yeah. talking about cincy or wisconsin cincy i'm sure yeah yeah he's produced a lot with with since he's been like you said since he's been 
one of the there there's a few of them you know central florida sticks out there there's a few of these g5 programs that are just good every single year and since he's one of them so he's yeah nine that sounds right it was it was last year last year was a year they no two years ago was it two years ago they were in the in the playoff was that is that, that was right? last year was it last year okay well yeah. yeah he had yeah he's got a lot of talent that can that, that gets out of cincinnati and, and i just right feel, go ahead no, I was going to say he's right there in Big Ten country. So, it, you know, he was able to to get a lot to, to come to Cincy. And um, I, I, I'm i not going to say it's a mistake to leave because it's not like he's going to a – he's going to a good program. I know they're down this year, but he's going to a to a, a traditionally very good program there at, at Wisconsin. So it's, it's, not, it's not a downgrading job. I'm just surprised that he took the – I'm just surprised he's leaving Cincy with, with what they've got going for him right now. Do you think Wisconsin is a sexier job than Cincinnati with their play style? Uh, play style, no, because it's more of a pro style offense. They're ground and pound. Let's mm-hmm. let's get all of our our big boys up front. Let them do the dirty work in the trenches, and let's run the ball. But but like I said, for the most part, Wisconsin's really I think dominated that Big Ten West. They've they've uh, you know Wisconsin wins double did they win ten games almost every year. Um, uh, I know they're not. Like I said, I know they're not going to this year, but they win ten games almost every year. They're a lot of times in that big tw- Big Ten championship game. So, Ellie, it's it's not. I don't. I don't think by any means it's a downgrade in, in jobs. It's a. It is an upgrade at the moment. But but with what Cincy's going, he's got good recruits. He's he puts he gets Cincy in the top twenty five every year. Gosh, he just got Cincy in the top four a year ago, and and Cincy's going to move up to the Big Twelve here soon. So, it's a. Uh, you can play devil's advocate either way. It's I think it's an upgrade at the moment, but but here in a few years, I think when Cincinnati gets to the Big Twelve with the success that he's had at Cincinnati, I who knows? We'll see how it pans out. All right. So this last one, and then we will move on because we've spent a lot of time. But uh, I wanted to talk about these. All right. So I don't know if you saw this one. This was a little curious to me. And look down here in Texas, it's it's not all that uncommon to have high school coaches go. Uh, become head coaches in college. You mentioned Jeff, Jeff Trailer, UTSA, uh, obviously Art Bryles. But anyway, uh, UAB, I don't know if you saw this, T-Mac, I don't know if you talked to, to Alex Shiloh or not, is hiring Trent Dilfer to replace Brian Vincent. Trent Dilfer is um, coaching right now in high school. I think he's playing for uh, a state championship uh, this week. Um, but uh, Trent Dilfer, obviously, a uh, Super Bowl winning NFL quarterback, uh, certainly knows the game, but he's coming in with with no college experience um, to coach UAB. Uh, UAB, you know, we had Alex Shiloh on several weeks ago and we t- talked about kind of the transition, that program that they had a program, they lost it and the coach came and brought it back, um, retired. Uh, anyway, I thought this was a curious, uh, a curious hire. Uh, by UAB, and uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on it or not. And I'm—I don't know that it's necessarily a bad hire, but it just seems like a, almost like a, um, you're 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 reaching for name recognition, uh, maybe rather than than looking, um, you know, at somebody's body of work, uh, you know, someone that's in college that has that experience. But uh, I'm curious to know what you guys think about Trent Dilfer to UAB. Well. And, and Tuck, I'd love to hear your opinion too on this. I think, I think that's the way we're going in coaching. I mean, we're it's 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 not. Gosh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and and I've known I've you know I know you guys are the same way. We're all sports 
junkies, we're all sports nuts. Y'all are both in coaching. Um, you know, I'm in broadcasting. So we, we know everything. But, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we we didn't know a, a lot of coaches. A lot of these coaches were, were lesser named players. You know, they all play. They also had some kind of playing background, you know. You know, Jason Garrett's an example. That's just the first guy that possibly – I mean, he was a, ba- a career backup quarterback, and he becomes a head coach. You know, and I know that's at the professional level, and that's maybe not the best example. But, gosh, we're starting to get some of these big-time names that are starting – like Dion, uh, you know, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer had a great NFL career, and, and um, and you know, it recently I believe – was he with ESPN for, for quite a while? I know he's in the broadcasting yeah. booth for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say he was with ESPN, but – Gosh, we're starting to get to the point where we're going after the big names now. We're starting to get some of these, some of these guys we actually knew <laughs> when when they were playing. We're getting them, at, you know, you know Jeff Saturday. They just ripped him off off the of TV to take over the Colts, you know. And um, you know, it's a. Uh, I don't know much about Trent Dilfer's uh, coaching um, coaching career. You said he's in high school. Um, I, you said he's in Nashville, Tennessee, or. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, let me uh, let me look it up. It is uh, Ipscombe Academy, I think. Yeah, uh, I think it's yeah. in Tennessee or something. It is Nashville. I mean, he had a solid NFL career. I mean, I mean, um, you know, I, I know he, he played well when he w- was with Tampa there for a few years, and I mean, didn't have the longest NFL career, but but he's a well known well known player. And I I mean, I don't know UAB's a, a I think UAB's a great job right now. It's it's one of the better. You know, we had we had my buddy Alex on and, um, and, and I think UAB is one of those smaller, you know, uh, you know, they're in the conference USA. They're one of those G five programs that are, we were talking about some of these smaller programs that are, are, are really good every year. Um, I don't think they're necessarily, I use Cincinnati and central Florida as an example. I don't know if they're necessarily on their level, but UAB is a darn good job. It really is. It's a good conference USA job. They compete for the conference USA championship year in and year out and always seem to get in a good bowl game. And they've done all that after, dismantling the football program so they've um i it's a head scratcher i just don't know no i just don't know about enough about trent dilfer coaching um does he know the game is he going to be a good offensive mind absolutely um but we'll we'll see how it pans out we'll see uab is going a a different direction with this kind of hire right here absolutely uh any any initial thoughts on that coach yeah, I just, I mean, you kind of brought up that we're starting to see like the Dion's, and I'm thinking, is this Dion 2.0 that while wow, it's working there? But my kind of initial thought is when you look at society today and how difficult it is to get young people engaged and on, on board, what better? I mean, think uh, Penny Hardaway at Memphis for basketball. Yeah. You know, you're bringing in these big name people because they bring instant credibility. Juwan Howard, you, yeah, yeah. Really? Juwan Howard is another great example. You, um, you bring one of us three in there. May, could we do the same job? Maybe, maybe not. But I guarantee you, if a group of twenty year old men look at me, they're going to be like, "Who the heck is this guy?" But they're not going to say that with Trent Dilfer. They're going to realize, "Oh yeah, he's the guy who was on the Ravens when they won the Super Bowl." Okay, yeah, I, I can get behind this guy. I'll come play for this guy. You that that's a hundred percent right. You know, we're getting some of these names that these people know, and and that's that's an automatic recruiting weapon right there. You know, D. I mean, who the heck doesn't want to go play for Deion Sanders? I don't care where he's at. That's a that's an instant 
turn on right there for these high school recruits. You get some of these guys that people actually know, like you're saying, Tuck. I mean, people know who Trent Dilfer is. I'm, he, he wasn't the, the sexiest NFL player or didn't have the sexiest of careers, but but people know Trent Dilfer. He had a solid NFL career, a solid broadcasting career. So that's that that's I think that's a direction a lot of these schools are going right now. They're trying to get some big names in there and people automatically know who these kids know who they are. So they're like, I'm gonna go play for that guy. I just like it because I just like it because we recycle coaches so much. Yeah. And they fail at one place and they fail at another and they fail at another. Why not get some new blood in? Try something yeah. new. See if it mm-hmm. works. All right. All right. Good deal. All right. So let's talk about um let's talk about first thing the the college football playoff rankings. They came out last night, yesterday evening. Certainly, I uh, imagine everybody has seen those, but I'll run through the top, uh, I don't know, six or seven. Uh, number one is Georgia. I think number the top two, six are the most relevant trip. Okay, so good. In my opinion, in my opinion. Okay. Number two, uh, Coach Tuck's Michigan Wolverines. Number three, TCU. Number four, South Carolina. Number five, Ohio State. And six is Alabama. So first of all, before oh, South we- Carolina or USC? Oh, did I say South Carolina? Sorry, Southern California. <laughs> hey, the way USC. South Carolina's been playing, they might they might deserve oh, some yeah. recognition. My bad, USC, uh, Southern Southern Cal. All right. So first of all, first of all, did they get the top four correct? I think your so. squads in there go for it. I think so, and I think, and I like. Um, I like the order. I've heard a lot of chatter, especially in the Michigan boards, that Michigan should be number one. And I mean, I realize Jim Harbaugh only cares about the Ohio State. He doesn't only care about the Ohio State game, but he hides everything until that game. So a close win over Illinois, he didn't care because he's like, we will not show anything to Ohio State. But at the same point, Georgia looks the number one team. Michigan is a really, really, really good team, but I don't know that if you lined them up and I told you you had to put $100 of your money on one of them, you're probably going to put it on Georgia, especially after the beating that they gave Michigan last year. I'm glad that they're finally giving TCU some love. I mean, I thought they really slow played moving them into the top four, Um, especially when you look at four weeks in a row they played a ranked team. And those teams aren't necessarily ranked now, but partially they're not ranked because they got beat by TCU. And if they had won to TCU, they would be ranked right now. So I really like that. And just watching USC, um, you know, Caleb Williams is just so fun to watch. Um, he, he's must-see TV. And I think from a ratings perspective, you want him in the CFP just because people are going to want to watch his theatrics. Right. You know, and I, I think, you know, obviously Ohio State played so well up until this game. And the, the problem is, and, and like it or not, you know, they have one loss uh, to the number two team in the, in the nation, according to this. Southern Cal has one loss, but it matters when you lose and, and it matters how you lose. Uh, we've talked several times before, you know, you can overcome a, a loss early in the season. You lose late in the season. And, and it's tough to overcome. And then you, you kind of get blown out and at home when uh, your opponent, Michigan, doesn't have their, you know, their, their running back at full strength, you know, can't play. 
uh, you know, th there's there's some merit to that. Uh, I, because I don't have a dog in the hunt, I, I get less caught up in the top four order as long as I think the top four teams are there because it'll sort itself out. Now, obviously, there's a difference between, four, you know, four playing one, two playing three. And, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, of course, you'd like to see your team at number one. But I think they did get it right with the top four teams. Um, and I think Southern California, not only, you know, yes, they have the one loss, but they are playing fantastic right now. Um, and, and um, you know, there are losses behind them. Now, look, we'll see. They still have conference championship games to, to go. Uh, so that could change some things. You know, if TCU loses, if Southern Cal loses, you know, if, if Michigan were to get upset by Purdue, you know, Georgia, you know, it's, it's still not set in stone, but I think right now, now they got the, the, the top four, right. Uh, and, and again, I'm less concerned with the order of those four, but I, I think they got the order right as well, to be honest. T-Mac, what do you think? No, I, I agree with you guys. I will say this, um, you know, I've got Tuck, I don't know. This might <laughs> rub you. I, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Ohio State. I've, you know, I've I've been up there to Columbus. I got friends up there, so I I do follow Ohio State a little bit and like them. But um, I think they, ha I, I do think they have the top top uh, four teams correct. I, I think it's in the right order. Um, I'll say this, and and I agree with I agree, and it, it it's a shame that it's that, that it is this way, but it's always been this way. That it, like Tripp's saying, it matters when you lose. Um, you know, I mean, you got to lose early if you're going to lose. I mean, my Red Raiders, I just still haven't gotten over 2008 uh, when they lost, when they had that, that three-way tie with Texas and Oklahoma. And, and it, losing losing at the right time, it does matter. Um, you want to lose early. I think they've got the top top four correct. Uh, I think – he called me crazy. I think Ohio State's better than USC. I really do. Um, they They – I think they're better. I, I just think they're better. USC, USC is a darn good football team. They're going to have the Heisman winner. Um, but USC has just kind of squeaked out some wins this year uh, against some lesser opponents. Look, USC could very easily be undefeated. If I mean, that Utah game, could, it was a coin flip. It could have gone either way with that two-point conversion. So USC is a darn good football team. But I just think – I think Ohio State's had more dominant victories. I don't think they deserve to be ahead of them, though, because of when they lost, you know. USC lost at a better time, and 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 USC they both lost to good teams, but but USC lost at a better time than Ohio State. So it, it's not fair for me to just come up here and, and and say that they should be ahead of USC at the moment. I think they got the top top four right, but I will say this: I don't think that I think this 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 thing's far from over. Every team in the top four has got to show up this week uh, in their in their conference championship game, and and uh, we'll 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 see how it goes from there. And I want to make one more point. It's really difficult as a Notre Dame fan to sit here and see Michigan at two and USC at four and say that this is right. <laughs> but they did, I think, get it right. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of to your point there, T-Mac, real quick. Let's, uh, these, these games coming up, these conference championship games coming up. Because, uh, man, some of these things could go, um, go either way. Let's start with what I think is should be the, the least competitive of them. And that's Purdue versus Michigan from Lucas oil stadium in Indianapolis, 7 PM. Um, Tuck, you're our, you're our big 10 and Michigan guy. What, what do you expect to see in this game? You, you really don't know. Purdue has played some teams really tough. I mean, they don't, I, I can't remember now, but I think they only lost to, 
um, Penn State at the first game of the year by a couple points. I mean, that was really close. Um, The tougher teams that they come across, they play them better. They really play up to their competition. Michigan could be coming off a hangover. Uh, I'm going to guess Blake Corum is still not going to be in. Donovan Edwards has that huge cast on, and it wasn't an issue um, with him fumbling the ball. But can you count on Donovan Edwards to hold the ball again? Can you count on J.J. McCarthy, who has not made passes all year and suddenly goes bananas to do that? Aiden O'Connell can get hot and torch people. So I... I think everybody's just writing Purdue off as, oh, they're going to be blown out by 40. Look at what Michigan did last year to Iowa. They beat them. But if you watch that game, they didn't really pull away until the fourth quarter, and then Iowa just broke. Um, Purdue has shown that they can hang with some people and not break. I still think Michigan wins. I just don't think it's going to be the cakewalk that people think it's going to be. I'm not even sure – Go ahead, Trip. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I, I feel like um, I agree with you that Michigan wins. And I think that the uh, equalizer against the hangover is going to be the um, personality, love it or hate it, of, of Harbaugh. I think he's not going to allow, uh, allow them to uh, feel too good about what, where they are for too long before he gets them and grinds them back to work to, to keep them focused. And so, um, I, I, I do think uh, Michigan uh, wins. Um, I won't say a cakewalk, but I don't think it'll be, um, you know, I think it's probably 14 points or more. I'm not even sure, uh, Coach Tuck, you might know this. Is Aiden O'Connell even going to play for Purdue? Everything that I gonna play? Everything that I have heard is that he's saying he's going to go, that he'll be ready. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know if y'all saw the tragic news. His brother passed away. Um, it, that's, you know, Aiden O'Connell's – and he played the last game. Um, he played uh, – yeah, he played the last um, – I'm trying to think. I'm, I just looked up. You're right. It does look like he's going to play. Uh, yeah, Aiden O'Connell uh, lost his brother right before the last game. He actually played the last game, and they were – earlier in the week, they actually were saying there's a good chance he wasn't going to play, but I just looked all that up. It does look like he's going to play. Um so you you don't know where where his head's going to be. I think I think you're right though. I think this is probably um, it, it's not a game. Yeah, like you said, Tuck. It's not a game Michigan wants to just just not show up in and, and or just just expect to show up and win. But I I, I think Purdue they might they it's going to be a tough tough task for them to to overcome Michigan. All right, so uh, let's look at uh, Kansas State number ten. Um, playing against TCU at AT&T Stadium, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, obviously a rematch. Um, TCU, of course, won the won the first matchup. Kansas State uh, played well all year long. Um, had some big wins. Um, I kind of go with with what Tuck was saying. I think TCU is going to win this, but I don't think it's a cakewalk by any stretch. Kansas State is a very seasoned team. Um, and would love nothing more than to play the spoiler to TCU. Uh, TCU, I think, in the end has 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 too much talent and has really, um, you know, through some of these close games and having to come from behind late, I think uh, will serve them well in this game. And I think they're gritty enough to 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 win probably ten points. 
Um, but this one I think is, is maybe closer than it looks on paper. I think, I think this is the game that, that we've got to watch out for the most. I think this is the, the game that's possibly, and, and I, I'm, I'm loving, I want to talk about the ESPN, something I talked to you or sent you earlier in the week trip about SC and, in Utah, but I think this one right here is the is the the one that could have the biggest. Or this is the one that's upset alert right here. Um, Kansas State, if if y'all if you guys remember when they played earlier in the year, was up 18 on TCU in the second half, and and I believe that game was in Fort Worth as well. So Kansas State can play in a hostile environment. And you know that's going to be a, a hostile environment there. You know TCU is playing a home game just about at AT and T Stadium. Um, uh, you know, so Kansas State can can play on the road, uh, and they're built to play on the road. They they have a good run game, um, and usually a good run game travels. Um, so so this is the one right here. I think TCU is only two and a half point favorites, um, and, and this is the one in my opinion that's TCU's got to watch it. I think TCU will win, but this is the one right here that that uh, TCU's going to have to have is going to have to play. And if you remember uh, when TCU played Kansas State, they knocked out their starting two quarter or their starting quarterback and their backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people have made a big deal that well, if the quarterbacks are there, do they still win? They were down eighteen, but TCU had a string of like three or four games in a row where they were knocking out quarterbacks. So I mean, is that something that you can continue? Maybe, um, but I mean, you hope not if you're Kansas State. Um, but I don't know. That could go either way. I I think a big question is if TCU, TCU loses, are they out of the college football playoff? I think, uh, in my opinion, I think they are. Uh, whether, I or not they, whether or not they should be, I don't know, but I think they're out if, if they lose. I think, I think – oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm uh, sorry. I cut you off. Kind of to your point, you know, the committee slow played putting them in there. You know, they they early on said, well, they 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 haven't won all that convincingly yet. They kept Clemson up there. I think they they're looking for a reason to get them out. Um, and so the only re, the only way TCU stays in is is to win, in my opinion. I think I this is my opinion, and I and I'm taking this. I think I saw it on on ESPN earlier, and I agreed with it 100. That's why I'm sharing it. I think. Georgia and Michigan are safe. They can they can lose if they want to, and they'll still be in. In my opinion, I think they can lose. Now that I don't think either one of them are going to lose, but uh, I think they're both safe. If TCU TCU if they get blown out, then then you'll start to have to ask questions. Um, I, I and I, I, it's crazy about all this is is we we wrote them off weeks ago, but Bama's sitting here. You know, Bama's sitting here, and they're they're technically really not eliminated yet they're hoping they're hoping tc they need two things to have they need tcu to get blown out uh in my and they need obviously usc to lose um tcu um if if they get blown out then the question starts get to asked then we don't know what the committee is going to do i think if usc loses they'll 100 percent be out um but tcu right now um it's if they lose a close game, then I don't know if they'll drop far. They might go to four, and they might put in Ohio State at, at three. If I don't know, we'll see. We'll, or excuse me, it would be a um, Ohio State at four, SC at three, 
and then TCU would be the odd team out. So I think TCU is okay just as long as they don't get blown out. I think it would be a shame to leave a team that made it through the entire regular season undefeated. And I think if I remember right, um, okay, yeah, um, West Virginia and Iowa State are the only Big 12 teams that aren't bowl eligible. West Virginia missed it by one game. I mean, I don't know that the top of the Big 12 is as good as the SEC and the Big 10, but that's a ringer of a of a conference. I mean, you have to come every week. You don't have the Northwesterns like a Big 10 has. You don't have uh, some of these teams that are just punchies. Um, you, I mean, you got to come to play every time, and, and they did. I, I told I, Trip this earlier in the year. I think this. I agree. I think the. I think this is the strongest the Big Twelve has been in 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 a long time. I think the Big Twelve had a really good year this year. I think the Texas win is going to do a really good job for TCU. I'm just trying to look up. They beat Texas by seven points at Texas. Mm-hmm. Alabama only beat Texas by one. Yeah. One, and I still maintain that that was a safety in the end zone. Uh, That should have been two points. To me, Alabama lost that Texas game. So if can you bring Alabama in when they have a similar opponent and TCU looked a lot better against them and has one less loss? Well, I don't think you should. Uh, I think that they they could, you know, uh, and I hope, you know, T-Mac, that you're right and, and Coach, your point is right. I hope that they would not uh, exclude TCU for a loss, but uh, I don't think the committee, you know, I don't know how much football they actually watch. I know they watch, you know, Alabama, you know and so, but I think that there's a, uh, even if it's an unintended uh, bias against TCU, maybe because they haven't been there before, but I just don't think that they're sold on them. And so TCU I, got screwed, if you remember, five or six yeah, years ago. Undefeated. They were undefeated, and they dropped them out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think the most interesting game could be, uh, I think, is the Utah-USC game because I think that um, – look, you, you made the point that, that TCU needs to be on upset alert, and certainly they do. We just gave Kansas State the resume. But – USC is playing Utah. They've already played once before. Um, you know, U- Utah's typically at the at the top, uh, and they're looking. You know, they're looking to to spoil USC. And uh, what was the score the first time they played? Forty three, forty two. Yeah. So I mean, uh, a super close game. And I mean, look, most people at the beginning of the season picked uh, Utah to win the. Uh, to to win the Pac-12. Now, look, I don't think anybody other than maybe uh, the USC team and coaching staff thought that USC would be this good, but I really think this is one that, that could go down to the wire um, just based on, I mean, just based on rivalry, you know, that kind of thing. And, and this is the one I think I'm most intrigued by uh, this game. Um, I think SC wins it. But uh, I would not be shocked if, if Utah won it. And, um, you know, I think uh, to your point earlier, Tuck, USC is so fun to watch. And, and um, 
I had no idea that they would be this good this soon. I thought, you know, two to three years would be when they'd be hitting their peak and, and here they are. And, um, one win away from, from solidify, you know, maybe, maybe that three spot. Um, but here we go. But I think this game uh, will probably be the most entertaining game. It's at Allegiant stadium in Las Vegas, 7 PM on Friday night. So Friday, you, you got, you got tons of games to watch, but, um, I'm torn between this and the K state TCU game, but I really think if I had to pick just one, just on, uh, entertainment value, not on, you know, TCU from Texas, I would probably watch the USC Utah game. Um, how do you, how do you see that going? I don't think anybody wants to play USC. I think if you are Georgia and you see USC at number four, you're like, can I get the two seed? Yeah. And and maybe TCU is the better team, but you guys know in college, if you have the best athlete on the field, not matchups, that's controlling the ball every time. And remember, they have a uh, Addis Jordan Addison, the mm-hmm. one of, the transfer from Pitt. Yeah, I don't think he's the best uh, wide receiver in the country, but he top to three. Like I, I still think Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the best in the country, but this guy is amazing. You got a quarterback who extends plays. You just don't have a defense that yeah. is consistent enough. Um, so I think it's going to be a shootout. Utah has not shown that they can be as consistent as you would like. Um, so I, I, I see USC winning and getting revenge on a neutral field. Okay. T-Mac, what you got? Uh, I mean, Trip, I wanted to bring this up and talk. I know you haven't – I haven't sent it to you yet at all, but uh, the the rankings that ESPN put out were the percentages to make the college football playoff blew my mind. I don't know if you all saw that, but they oh, – um, yeah, it's the – so ESPN basically is telling us they think USC is going to lose to Utah because they've got – They've got at the the percentages right here. They think uh, Georgia ninety nine percent to get in, Michigan ninety seven percent chance to get in, Ohio State eighty eight percent to get in. They've got Ohio State ahead of TCU eighty eight percent. Then they've got TCU at eighty three percent. They've had, they've got Alabama ahead of USC. So they think you, you ESPN thinks Utah is going to beat uh, USC, and it's a it's a neutral side game. That's I think that's it's in a good location for Utah. If they're you know, they can get to Vegas really easy. Their fans can get to Vegas real easy. It's right there. I mean, Utah is not – Utah – Vegas is almost in Utah. Um, so it would be easy for their fans to get there. Um, it's going to be a good game. Cameron Rising uh, tore up USC the last time, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. I know I know USC and – or, excuse me, Ohio State and, and, and Bama are going to be pulling hard for uh, – be pulling hard for Utah. So – that I don't I don't know. I mean, on paper, USC's the better team, but but Utah is a bad matchup for him. Utah can really Cameron Rising can 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 sling the ball around and he torched him last time. And he torched him on the ground. I mean, he had three rushing touchdowns. I don't know how how easily that is to replicate for them, but I mean it, it shows that they struggle with a running quarterback. Right. <laughs> And it causes it causes um, USC to have to expend a lot of time, practice time, trying to stop that. And so, if you are spending your practice time stopping the run, then you're spending less time 
you practice in defending the pass. So, I mean, it, 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 it plays a role there too, just in preparation. You know, Trip, how do you, Trip, how do you, I mean, you're, you, you would, you'd know a lot better than I would. Uh, how do you, how do you, you know, at the high school and college level, you know, at the, at the NFL, they've got the athletes to do it. You can put a spy on the quarterback. Uh, how do you, how do you do that at the college level? How do you slow down a running quarterback? Cause I don't, I don't feel like you can stop him. I feel like you just got to slow him down. Yeah. So if you have a really dynamic uh, quarterback, you know, first thing you're trying to, to do is determine, is he a run first or pass first? And if, if he's pass first, who just scrambles, then it's a lot of, um, you know, technique of, of staying home, staying where you're supposed to be, not getting upfield, not overextending, you know, that kind of thing. If he's a run first, then you, you've got to look at, you got to look at uh, proper fits, you know, who, you know, who has this gap, who has that gap, not, uh, not having pe- two people in one guy, you know, that kind of stuff. It's all about fits. When you have somebody that can do both equally well, it's really difficult because then you're trying to pick your poison and you're trying to say, then you might look at, okay, he can do both, but we feel like our secondary matches up really well. So we can maybe man those guys and, and commit more guys to stopping the run. Or if you think, man, our, our front seven, um, is is um not as good then um you know then we we need to put more guys there or whatever the case so you're really looking at matchups uh and then of course if you're overmatched then you then then you try to do some exotic stuff different Mm -hmm. pressures different blitzes to try to confuse them um you know to to make them make some mistakes um uh, all right. So anyway, that, that's that's kind of what I what I think on that. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's an intriguing matchup for sure. Um, the the matchup, the game, I think is uh, most um, not that interesting is Georgia LSU. Um, LSU, I mean, flying high, flying high, and then that 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 loss to A and M um, took the wind out of the sail. I don't know what they're playing for now. Like as far as, you know, what they feel that they're playing for, obviously, um, they can still get a new year's six bowl. They can, but I don't know that, um, how much motivation that's going to be based on, um, where they thought they were going to be, uh, after that big win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They'd put themselves in a really good position to, to, uh, I mean, they, they weren't out of it. I mean, they were sixth. I mean, they were they had two losses. They had a really good chance to to backdoor their way if they needed right. some help. But but Bama kind of took their spot now. At, but but LSU, I think even correct me if I'm wrong. They might have been fifth. I think they were actually fifth. Yeah, so I think so. you're right. They were they were an Ohio State loss away, which happened. They were they were a, a you know a TCU loss away from from being the first two loss team in the top four. So. They really so, yep. screwed themselves. And that's kind of what I, what I wonder uh, mentality-wise of the team, you know, how they're going to respond. Are they going to come out and, and, and play really well and, and give Georgia a game, or are they going to go in and, and kind of take their beating and then move on to the bowl game? I don't think this game will be close. Um, I think uh, LSU will, will scheme them well, and, and, it, and it, they may hang tough for, for a quarter. But I think ultimately Georgia's got um, too many skill players. They're 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 too well coached. They're they're too good, and they have so much to play for. Whereas I feel like LSU, uh, there's a danger of of them not feeling like they have anything to play for. I agree. 
I find it interesting that some people are already calling for Brian Kelly's job. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Oh like, yeah. I, you know, I, I we did a I did a piece on him maybe for Mental Dimes, and, and really with his when you look at I think it was his third year at Cincinnati uh, when he had that breakout year. I think went to championship game or or, um, or, or in the top conversation third year at Notre Dame same things they got blown out by Alabama so I mean I think he's overachieved with how bad LSU was last year and then you look at that first game of the season they looked awful um you, you know there was talk after that first game I remember seeing memes like Brian Kelly's the only guy who can leave one school go to another school and make both teams worse well he ended up turning that around I mean I think he's a really good coach uh, I think that kind of talk is is ridiculous um, you know, he's got to get, got some things figured out, but I think he's ahead of schedule. I think he's certainly ahead of where most people predicted that they would be. Um, how about so, Ohio state fans calling for Ryan oh, day during the game? That was yeah. a joke. That is a big joke. I mean, he, I think he's got like a 94% win percentage. He's lost like five games. I think yeah. Yeah, 45 and five. He's lost yeah. two big 10 games. I think it was in his career, both of them the last two years, but it's very similar to what Harbaugh went through. If you can't beat your rival, right? we don't want you. That's um, ridiculous in my opinion. I put out a poll um, for Mental Dimes that is his job in jeopardy. And um, I think... Day or Harbaugh? Um, day. Okay. Um, after this loss and... I think one more person said no than said yes. And again, I agree with you. I don't think he should be. Right. It did not shock me at all because when you lose at home, and I personally, like, I watched the game. It was closer than the score indicates. There were two big plays that really broke it open. If Day goes for it on that fourth down, if Mike Sainer still doesn't break up that Stover completion in the end zone, Ohio State could have legitimately won that game. It was there for them. Yeah, they just took off there in the fourth, yeah. So I don't think he should be. I think he he just ran into a team that their whole purpose is to beat Ohio State. That's their only purpose. So, I mean. I think that's a silly mindset, in my opinion. It's similar to – you know, if you've ever watched any of the things like the, the academies, like uh, they'll walk around all year long and everything. They salute each other with beat Army, beat Navy. You know, they have a singular. Um, but it would be wouldn't it be interesting if Day left on his own at some point? And, you know, man, be careful what you wish for, Ohio State fans, because you've got you know, one of the you're best. You're not going to get anything better. I don't know who you're going to get better. Urban Meyer. So, yeah, <laughs> they were uh, chanting for Urban Meyer. At uh, college game day. Yeah, well, he'll come and probably win you a championship, and then leave your your program in shambles and disarray and all kind of other things. But maybe that's worth it. Urban's him. a good coach; he just can't behave. No, exactly right. And he, so all right. So we are a little over an hour in. So let's move on. Um, uh, so at the end of before we get into our offensive defensive players of the week, so we'll go. I'll go. We'll let Tuck go first, and then me, then T-Mac, you can finish it up. At, after these conference championship games, what is your order? How do you think it'll shake out one, two, three, and four? 
I am. I'm going to go just the way it is right now. I think TCU USC will pull it out. Um, I told you guys right before we went on, I picked USC at the very beginning of the year. Um, Lincoln Riley has gotten into, I think, half of the college football playoffs. He's got it figured out. I, I think they're playing their best football right now. I think TCU should be in regardless of this. So I'm going to go as is. Now, would I be shocked if Ohio State or Alabama sneaks in? I think the committee would love to get um, Alabama in. That SEC-Alabama bias, but I I just don't see it happening. Uh, so I'll just go with as is. All right. I'm going to go Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. I'm going to say Southern Cal gets upset by Utah, and then I think a TCU takes care of business, so they stay at three, and, and you get an 11-1 Ohio State at that four spot. I, 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 that's what I hope for. Cause you know, I've, like I said, I, I, I cheer for Ohio state. I hope they sneak in at number four. I think, I think they've got it right right now. Like I said, because of when Ohio state lost, when all that happened. Uh, but I, I think Ohio state's a better team than, than, than USC. So I hope they get in, but I, I'll agree with you trip. I think Utah can do it. I think Utah's a bad matchup for them. So I'll go with what my heart wants to. I, I think I'll go with your top four as well. All right. Sounds good. All right. So let's take a, a look at um, last week's players of the week. Um, Tuck, I don't know if you, if you had time to chew on that or not. If you do feel free to chime in. If not, you can comment on, on ours and then we'll uh, go on to some of these uh, last couple of segments that TMAC has that are, that are a lot of fun. And then we'll. Uh, Tuck's uh, going to like mine. So, all right, so um, offensive player of the week. We'll just go around and give everyone's offensive player. Then you know we'll do each player. So uh, uh, I'll go first this time. Um, my offensive player of the week is Devin A. Chain from Texas A&M. Um, Thirty-eight carries, two hundred and fifteen yards, average five point seven yards per carry, and two touchdowns in a for that program. And for their head coach, a monster win uh, over LSU. Um, and so uh, I think this kind of shows, at least in my opinion, um, and again, I'll qualify this, I am an AM fan. I think Devin A. Chain has been underutilized this year for as talented as he is. And so um, Devin A. Chain is my offensive player of the week. All right. Uh, I had um, – yeah, I'll go. Um, I had – um, I had Donovan, Donovan Edwards as mine, um, you know, carrying the ball was, was fantastic. And he had a couple daggers. I was trying to find the, the scoring drive because I, I was watching the game too, but I, I know they were both, gosh, one was a, was one an 85 yarder. First one was 75 and the second one was 85. Yeah. So he, uh, he ran all over Ohio state there in the fourth quarter. He went for, um, he had 22 carries for 216 yards. It's just under 10 yards a carry, just about. So he really, he was really the. I I think he was really the difference maker in that in that in that fourth quarter. If he doesn't break those two runs, who knows how the game plays out? Uh, I think Michigan dominated the second half, but if he doesn't break those two big ones, it could have been a different ball game. So so Donovan Edwards is my offensive player of the week. I want. I, I, I like it. Uh, I love Donovan Edwards. Um, 
I went with Max Duggan. I I, okay. I think the guy has 29 touchdowns and three interceptions on the year, completes two out of every three passes. Uh, he had a, had a good game for him. He had 280 yards passing, three touchdowns. But I don't think anybody talks about him. I think if he was at Ohio State, if he was at Bama, he'd be in the Heisman consideration. But he's at TCU, and no one watches Big 12 games, so no one knows who the guy is. So I just wanted to give him a shout-out right. as an unknown person. Well, we certainly respect that being down here in Texas, and I know uh, T-Max has been, been pretty high on him all year. So, uh, all right, respect that. All right, so we'll go reverse order this time, Coach. If you want to go first with your defensive player of the week. I'm going to go with a homer, and I am going to go Mike Sainer still, uh, the converted wide receiver who has been probably in some ways the star of Michigan's secondary. And if you think last year, even though Michigan beat Ohio State, they really threw with ease against Michigan. There were just like every now and then Aiden Hutchinson would get a key sack and end a drive, but it was it was luck. It was smoke and mirrors. This year, Michigan held Ohio State to three points in the second half, which is just unbelievable. And Sainer still was there on almost every tackle, every deflection. The it's just I think it's just an amazing story. It's right. pretty cool. I think it's pretty. I think that's. You look at how many college programs are doing that now. They're they're putting a lot of receivers back there at DB, and and they're having a lot of success. So that's a that's definitely a, a thing to watch out for 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 anybody. Uh, my player of the week was uh, someone y'all may have heard of. He had a he had a really he had a great season. Uh, he's one of the best players uh, defensively in the nation. Comes out of the a smaller conference, so he's out of the Sun Belt. Mine is uh, cornerback Reddy Stewart out of uh, out of Troy. He plays for the good old Troy Trojans. He uh, was one of the best, like I said, one of the best players there in the nation. Um, this past week, though, he had he saw only, he saw six targets thrown his way and allowed just one catch for nine yards. Uh, the other five resulted in two interceptions, and he also uh, had three incompletions. So. He, uh, you know, I like to use pro football focus for defensive stats. He owns a 90.3 pro football focus grade on the season, the third best mark in FBS this year. So uh, he's mine. Troy getting a little bit of love. They had a really good year, you know, 10 wins on the year for the Trojans out of the Sun Belt. So uh, Reddy Stewart is mine. All right, T-Mac, you stole that one from me. So I, I had the same uh, two INTs, a 78-yard uh one and then a, and a touchdown, two solo tackles, and a, a half a tackle for loss. So uh, you stole my thunder there, but uh, uh, Reddy Stewart from Troy was also my defensive player of the week. So you should have got right. in reverse order. I know it. Dang it. So all right. So I'm going to edit this before it gets posted. So I go first. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. So I'll start with special teams. Mine was not really all that sexy. Uh, I struggled looking find stuff but and i've used this guy before because he a couple of weeks ago i used him and he he threw a, a touchdown but um, my special teams player is kai kroger um punter he had seven punts for 376 yards and a uh a long of 63 
five punts inside the 20. So the South Carolina punter, Kai Kroger, was my special teams player of the week. I know that's a big stat for those punters. They they look at that inside the 20, I think, a lot. So that's a, that's a good one right there. Mine was a little bit of a homer pick right here. I had Trey Wolf for Texas Tech, and I watched – I stuck it out and watched this whole game. Tech um, was able to beat Oklahoma in, in overtime. Uh, Wolf nailed a – a, he had missed an extra point early in the game. It wasn't really his fault. He was a bad snap, and he bounced back and made a 43-yarder, which, gosh, at the college level, 43-yarder, you're holding your breath um, for anybody. Uh, he, he nailed a 43-yarder to send it in overtime, and then he kicked the game winner as a chip shot in overtime. It was only like a 35-yarder or something, but he made a couple of clutch kicks to to take out the Sooners. First time first time Tech's beaten both Tech and – or as, as beating Texas and Oklahoma in the same year. I thought that was an interesting stat. All right. Sounds good. Um, want to move you got on you a special to... teams player? Oh, my bad. Yeah, my no, bad. it's okay. I, I'm i actually going um really off the wall on this, and I'm going to go Caleb Williams. What'd he do? He had two punts on the game. Ooh. One went for 58 and the other one he pinned inside the 20. Um, so, I, I have, yeah, I have to admit I don't really follow special teams other than place kickers like I should. Um, but when I watched that game, they kept him out there on fourth down, and then he just took a couple steps back and then pooch punted it, but – I was going to ask that. I was going to ask if that was, if there was like one of those gun punts or if they actually straight up lined him up at punter or something. It was uh, out of the gun, and then just before he took the snap, he took two steps back and then pooched it. Yeah, that's smart it's because you can't really, you know, as long, until he backs up, you can't really drop somebody deep because yep. then you're leaving somebody uncovered. So, And that's what they did. There was nobody back there in both cases. Right. Um, and he almost pinned the other one in. It just uh, rolled in, and probably I think someone was like two yards from actually being able to down it. So he almost downed two in the 20. Wow, wow that's impressive. He can do it all, man. All right, so let's move on to our heroes and zeros. Um, I, I talked, uh, I tried to explain a little bit to Tuck via uh, email, but so we'll pick, um, we'll go three t- teams that, maybe overachieved or, or did something we didn't expect positive, and then three teams that maybe either underachieved or, or uh, you know, we've had them in the past where they, they've won, but they've looked terrible doing it, that kind of thing. So it's there's really criteria is up to each person. Um, so we'll start with the zeros first. We can each give our three zeros, and then we'll end this segment on the high note with the heroes. I think uh, I know some of the heroes uh, teams already, but um, – T-Mac, you want to start us on the zeros or you want me to go? Sure, you go for it. Got it. In case I steal any of yours. Yeah, that's true. I I think I go first every time. All right. (laughs) Um, So these are in no particular order as far as, you know, one, two, or three. They're all performances that I deem zeros. Um, The first one I'll say is uh, Liberty Flames. You know, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, we we opened the show with, is anybody going to talk about Liberty? Uh, you know, I think we jinxed them. Yeah. Well, they have now three straight uh, losses. 
They lost 49 to 14 to New Mexico State. Um, and uh, add to it, they've now lost their head coach. So really, you know, the, the trajectory they were on um, was, was uh, through the stratosphere, and then they really crashed back down to earth. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, once the talk came about Hugh Freeze leaving. And, I, again, I don't know if it was a uh, inattention due to the coaching staff or if it was the, the players being distracted by not going what's going on. But, boy, they've, they've really crashed down to earth. And, and um, so they're, they're my first zero of the week. Um, my second one is uh, Ole Miss, and they're, they're lost in the Egg Bowl, uh, 22 to 24. Um, they dropped to eight and four uh, overall and, and just four and four in the SEC. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, they were kind of, you know, on everyone's radar as, as a, oh, a team that could make some noise. You know, it looked like they had a chance maybe to upset Alabama, jumped on them early, uh, and then they've lost a couple um, in a row that they uh, really shouldn't have and have really fallen back to earth. Again, they I don't know if you saw some of this, but Lane Kiffin was in a Twitter spat with uh, with a uh, journalist who who uh, put out that Lane Kiffin was leaving for Auburn and and then Lane took that personally and then really made it a personal battle against this person. And and again, I don't think it was a really good look for Lane Kiffin. I certainly understand he was frustrated, but uh, move on, be the bigger man and, and coach your team. And, and it certainly is not a good look when it appears you put more effort into that than maybe uh, preparing your team. So uh, that's my second zero. And my last one is Oregon. Um, they were outscored 21 to three in the fourth quarter. Uh, and in a game, they lost 34 to 38 to Oregon state, a rivalry game. So one is to your rival uh, Two, It's, I mean, you have lots to play for still, and I thought they really, um, you know, whatever, 20, getting outscored 21 to three in the fourth quarter in, in that game of that magnitude that has those implications is, is really uh, disappointing um, uh, for that program and for, and for uh, Dan Lanning and uh, stuff. So, again, who knows if, if maybe some of the, you know, the offensive coordinator mind was elsewhere, um, you know, because we now know that, uh, you know, he's gone. But uh, – those are my three zeros of the week. Yeah, um, I've got – we both I'll, – I'll go with mine. Yeah, um, I had Oregon in there as well. Um, Oregon was – yeah, a 31 to 10. They were they were winning in the second half, and you just can't blow that lead. I mean, I mean, Oregon, Oregon really shot themselves in the foot. They were – you know, they were another team two weeks ago that was in really good shape. Uh, you know, they gosh, they were on the they were one of those teams that I mean, they could have backdoored their way into the top four. Um, Oregon was in really good shape, you know, they lost at home to Washington and then turn around and lose this one to Oregon State. I know the game was in Corvallis, I believe, but um, but yeah, if you're up 31 to 10, you you got to hold on to that lead in the second half, especially. So, yeah, that was a bad one right there. And Oregon still a still a successful season, but you know those fans are are a little disappointed in how the season ended for sure. Um, my next one is LSU. I know we talked a little bit about LSU. Um, they really didn't do themselves a favor. LSU, I, I mentioned this earlier. LSU could be in really good shape right now. Um, they could be the number five team in the nation. Um, I think probably they probably would have been ahead of Ohio State had they not lost. Um, and 
look, they're they're the kind of team they can play up. You know, Tuck was mentioning a team earlier about this. I can't remember which one it was, but the LSU, I think, is one of those teams that they're going to play Purdue, up. To some and it was Purdue. Yeah, they're going to play up. Yeah, they're going to play up to some competition. And look, I think I don't I don't think they're going to compete with Georgia. I think Coach Tripp said it best. They're they're deflated. They're not going to be into this at all. Just after a, a gut punch of a loss to to A and M, but. Um, LSU was in really good shape. And if LSU had still been number five, who knows what a win over Georgia. I mean, they could they I mean they would have been that would have been an automatic in the top four, I think, if they would have beaten Georgia. But LSU really a goose egg got dominated by an M. They didn't just lose, they really got dominated. Uh, my last one is I, you know, there's some teams that played worse, I think, but Ohio State um is my number one. They had Look, and Tuck, I'm not, you know, I, I think Michigan is a darn good football team, but I said it all year. I didn't think they were going to beat Ohio State. Um, I thought Ohio State being back back at home in the shoe was going to be a big thing. Um, and I thought Ohio State's offense was was um, was, was just head over heels, so one of the best in the nation. But, man, give your credit where credit's due to Michigan. They, they Michigan's built to win it all this year. I mean, they they run the ball well, and they play defense. Those two formulas work. I know, I know you play neutral site. Um, when you get to the CFP playoff, but but Michigan Michigan's built to win this thing. They they run the ball well and they play defense. Those two things travel. And um, I really I was really disappointed in how Ohio State performed in the second half. Would you say three points? Right, they, Michigan uh-huh. held them three points. I think that's more than anything. I I put Michigan or I put Ohio State on my zero, but I think more than anything, um, I think you do need to give credit to Michigan. They they shut them down. They outplayed them. And and no, you're not hurting my feelings because in my original uh, CFP picks, um, I picked Ohio State over Michigan at the beginning of the year. I just didn't think. Um, and this is another interesting fact: in the last ten years, Michigan is the only Big Ten team to beat Ohio State twice. Wow! No other team had beaten them. I mean, some teams have beat Michigan State. Um, I think uh, Purdue had beat like. Illinois, I think, had, like I think there were four teams that had beaten them once, but no one had beaten them twice. I'm curious to how far back it goes that a team in that or Michigan had beat Ohio State two times in a row. 2000, 2000 was the last time. I think that was under Jim Trestle. Probably, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it would have been Trestle back then. Yeah. So that we're going way back on that one. And then, your, give, give your three heroes, Tuck. Three heroes or three zeros? Hero, or, no, no, do your zeros. Yeah, do your zeros. Uh, my zero, and this is going to be kind of harsh probably, but App State was one of my zeros. Um, after they started the year, they had North Carolina. They had North Carolina. Yeah. That was their game. Then they go back, and when we thought Texas A&M was good, they beat them. They beat <laughs> Troy, and you've mentioned Troy is a – darn good team they can play um so when i looked when i saw them beat troy saw them beat am and i knew they had north carolina i'm like this is a team that might actually make a run and then they lost three of their last four including double ot to georgia southern that i mean i just i just think the way they fell apart at the end um and especially losing the last game when they had such a promising season uh, my number two um, was probably I was going to go Oregon as well, just because you can't lose a rival game, not when you're up by that much. 
that that gets you fired. I mean, it it's it's not going to, but it gets you fired. Um, and then my final one. Um, it was a kind of a toss-up either between Northwestern, who didn't win a single game on U.S. soil for the entire year. That's embarrassing. Um, but I decided to go uh, DJU out at Clemson. This okay. was supposed to be your revenge tour. This was supposed to be silence the critics. You, you had a, I mean, they had a great season. I mean, we we dump on Clemson for going ten and two. But he threw for 99 yards in the final game in a must-win game. And I'm not high on South Carolina. I mean, I, 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 I don't think they're – I don't know. They're lucky. They're just lucky. And I think DJU just chose to have the worst game of his career at the worst time. Well, and I'll, I'll go a step further with that. I also think um, some of the blame for that – I think goes on Dabo because in my opinion, Dabo is acting a little bit like Jerry Jones with the Cowboys in that well, this is my pick. And so you're not going to change my mind regardless of what the data or the facts show, you know, Jerry Jones has done that for years with his head coaches that he would bring in. And he wanted to prove that, that he's a general manager and, and Dabo I think has become so um, defensive by the media questions that he's almost being, I think, stubborn and, and bullheaded uh, about uh, DJ. You know, uh, they pulled him for one play or one series against Notre Dame when when they were backed up in their own territory and and, and his, his replacement throws that interception. We never saw him again. Well, I, heck, I mean, he single-handedly won, you know, uh, I think the game before. Syracuse. So I, yeah. And, yeah, Syracuse. So I think that while DJ certainly – uh, did not play well. I think some of the that game, um, I think, is on Dabo for not not making a switch. And I'm not saying you make it permanently. Um, maybe in this game, look, and DJ's a project, and we'll, he'll be better next year. But you're trying to win games this year, and, and it was almost a, a, a you know thumbing my nose at those that that don't think he should be there. And, and I'd rather lose with him than win without him. Or, you know, that's my perception. And Cade Klubnik is a five-star guy. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance he'd be starting in a lot of programs right now, and DJ didn't really earn it. Right. So, all right. Um, all right, so was that three? Did we get That was my three. three? Right. I, got on my, I got on my soapbox. and, and I gave you a bonus one, so I gave okay. you four. All right, well, don't worry, because I'm going to give a bonus one on the heroes. Uh, T-Mac probably knows where I'm going with it because it's mm -hmm. a normal one, but I'll do that one last. All right, so I'll do the heroes before T-Mac steals all mine again. Um, my first one uh, is Michigan. Um, again, pains me to say that as a Notre Dame fan, but I did not believe Michigan was good enough to beat Ohio State this year at Ohio State without their running back. And, um, I mean, they went out and, and, and left no doubt who the better team was, at least, at least on that day. Um, they, uh, I mean, hit them in the mouth. So, uh, despite my heart telling me never to acknowledge them as doing something good, Michigan is certainly uh, hero number one. Number two uh, for me was Texas A&M beating, at the time, number five uh, LSU. Um, certainly not something I expected given how well uh, LSU had, had played 
and how poorly A&M or how at least inconsistently uh, A&M had played. I thought that was a, a really uh, big win for the program, uh, A&M, for a, a program that's in some sort of flux. You know, the, the questions about their coaching staff or at least their head coach and everything going on, I thought that was something that at least buys them some good grace, buys them some time to figure out what they want to do. My third one, again, pains me to say it again, uh, as a Notre Dame fan, was USC beating Notre Dame. Um, you know, I thought that USC would win, uh, given how well they played. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Notre Dame's a pretty good football team. They're sitting at 15, inconsistent to be sure. But USC went in and, and really had their way with them. Um, Caleb Williams looked like uh, Superman, you know, striking the Heisman pose. He was able to do uh, whatever he wanted, and I thought that was a, a little bit of a trap game, I think, for USC, or could have been, because they hadn't beaten Notre Dame in several years. Um, you, you know, Notre Dame being the, the lower-ranked team, you know, it had been easy to kind of sneak up on them and, and kind of ruin that USC season, but they didn't let it happen. They played really well, and I think they're peaking at, at the right time. Um, but as I said earlier, I, I still think maybe they get upset by Utah, um, but those are my three heroes. And my bonus one uh, is UTSA, the Roadrunners. They were down 24. Uh, they like to do that. 24, and they ended up um, winning that game. Uh, I, te I teetered about going with a zero on that one because there's no reason they should have been down to uh, UTEP um, that much. But the fact that they pulled it out, uh, I thought was a huge win for, for UTSA. ETSA likes to do that. They like to fall behind the teams they shouldn't be losing to. Similar to TCU, yes. Yeah. It's, it drives me crazy. It's not good for my heart. <laughs> no, it's not. I know Bryce is not. I know your son, Bryce, he's not loving that either. Uh, my three heroes, um, you know, I got to give credit where credit's due, Michigan. Um, they top my list. Um, you know, I, I think Michigan deserves to be on there. Uh, I know I put Ohio State as a zero, but 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 put Michigan on there. They dominated Ohio State defensively. They're the real deal, and 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 they can they can win this thing. They can win it all. They they are built. They're a team that's built to win it all. So uh, the way Michigan dominated this past week, I, they topped my list. A um, couple unranked teams right here make my list. South Carolina um, kind of rejuvenated their their season these last couple weeks. Had a couple nice wins. Spencer Rattler actually looked like a football player these last couple of weeks um, looked like the Spencer Rattler that we kind of thought we were going to see when he got into college and they got themselves a nice couple of wins. South Carolina trip. I know you were saying, I think it was you, you were saying you're not, maybe it was Tuck. I can't remember. One of you are saying you're not too high on South, South Carolina is not that right. good, but, but they snuck their way to eight wins. They went eight and four. I mean, um, Rattler had himself a, a nice little second half to the season and, uh, South Carolina is going to get a decent, decent bowl game. Uh, my number three is a homer pick. Guns up, baby. Texas Tech. Um, overtime win over Oklahoma. It was a stressful game. I don't know if either one of y'all watched it. It was late on Saturdays, kind of after all the all the big games had kind of gone off. And golly, it was a stressful game. It was two bad defenses going at it, but the two offenses showed out and Tech was able to prevail. I couldn't believe the stat that they read. And I think, look, I am so fired up about Joey McGuire. I think he's going to be one of the best college football coaches in the nation. Um, but that's the first time Tech has ever in program history beaten Texas and Oklahoma in the same year. I couldn't believe that. So guns up, baby. No, man, that's incredible. 
So you guys, right, who you got? I, I I feel like I know one of them. You guys took a lot. You took all of mine, so I'm kind of having <laughs> fun a little bit on this one. Um, I'm gonna go Duke as a hero. They finish eight and four. They beat Wake Forest um, this week, which a lot of people thought Wake Forest was gonna win the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very popular yeah. pick, and I don't think many people. I I'd have to go back and look at what the over-under on Duke was, but it seems that the over-under was like four wins on the season. And I don't quote me on that, but it just seems like that's what I remember from earlier. So I'm really impressed there. I'm going to go uh, uh, Joe Joe Milton, the Tennessee – it's Ooh, Joe. Yeah. yeah, Joe Milton. Um, he didn't – his stat line wasn't sexy and they were playing Vanderbilt, but I think a lot of us just wrote uh, Tennessee off after Hendon Hooker went down the embarrassing loss to South Carolina. So for them to go out and just dominate a team, any team was, um, was really good. So, and he, he had a huge spotlight on him um, having to follow in Hooker's shoes. Um, and then, yes, I am going to have to go Michigan. That's a huge, huge win. Uh, yeah. It's I, a lot of people are saying it's probably the best win of the college season, and yeah, I think so. It was a great game. That's a great Ohio State team. Um, and I heard a stat that. Um, if they replay again, Vegas has Ohio State as the betting favorite. Really? Yeah, even on a neutral field in a bowl that Ohio State's still favored. Um, so the fact that I guess Ohio State's so much better than Michigan that a win doesn't matter, I guess just makes it that much sweeter for the blue. All right. Man, that's interesting. I would not have thought that, so – all right, so generally we wrap up the show uh, with a segment, um, another segment of Tyler's. It's um, overreaction Sunday on a Tuesday on a Wednesday. And uh, um, so he'll throw out some topics if we think it's an overreaction or, or not, and then we'll kind of go from there. And then we'll wrap it up. I know it's been a long yeah. uh, uh, podcast, but I appreciate uh, Tut, you staying on. T-Mac, appreciate you on. And um there's just a ton to talk about this week. Don't so. have anything better to do tomorrow night. You, you, probably, you could bring, you could, you're probably got some game planning to do tonight. But oh, I'll go well. through these quick. I'll go through these quick. I only did three this week because I knew we'd probably be, right. be pressed for time. But um, uh, you probably talk pretty much just tell me whether you, you, the statement I give you think is an overreaction or not. All right. So um, Matt Rule will finally get Nebraska over the hump. Overreaction or not? Overreaction. Okay. Um, do I say why or do I just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can give it. Yeah, go okay. for it. I think even though the West is really weak for the Big Ten, um, he'll probably have a good season next season. But you got use a re- very rejuvenated UCLA USC. Uh, Big Ten's probably going to get away from conference or the divisions. Mm-hmm. And so now you might be getting Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. UCLA, USC in a year. I mean, you want to see those five teams on your schedule? 
Absolutely not. It's no. terrifying. So I'm saying overreaction, not because of him, just because of I think how good the big, the top of the Big Ten is going to be. Trip. So did, did you say next year? No, just in general. In and I, I'll say I'll, I didn't. I should have been more clarified. Just in the near future, do you think he'll get okay. Nebraska over the hump? Uh, I'm going to go with um, not an overreaction, but I'm going to qualify it. It won't. I, it won't be next year. Probably not two years. Um, I, I think maybe by year three, he's made significant progress. Over the hump for Nebraska, I don't think means winning. Uh, yeah, the conference. I, I think it means being in contention, being in that conversation. And so I would say not an overreaction, but qualifying it that way. If you, if it's for next year, I would definitely say overreaction. Do you think the Nebraska faithful would be okay with just a bowl game? Yes. I mean, I was just about to ask that. Yeah, I think. I mean, how many national championships did they play for in you know going back? It was in the eighties. Yeah. When they were the pirates. Yeah. I think right now, um, I think in year one, they'll take it bowl game. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think they're starving for any kind of success. And so I think right, they we'll would take that. So I th- we'll move on to number two. I uh, love both those takes on Nebraska. I think I think he'll get them over the hump eventually. Um, ESPN is crazy. And it, like I gave you all that the, the percentage uh, earlier. ESPN is crazy to have um, – Ohio State's percentage so high uh, with Utah beating USC or what they think will. Um, I, I guess say, I guess I could rephrase it. ESPN's crazy to have Utah over USC. That could be a better statement. Okay. If you phrase it that way, I would say they're not crazy for that because I have Utah over USC. Where I think they are crazy is having Alabama above um, was it USC. Yeah, uh, yeah. Twelve to fourteen percent. I think they're crazy for that. Um, I don't think it's an overreaction. The Vegas betting money—it's a uh, two to one favorite—that at least uh, either USC or TCU loses, and Vegas has puts a lot of time into so if you trust Vegas, one of them is going to lose, and Ohio State, in theory, is going to be in. Yeah, I think I think more than anything that that percentage stat I sent I sent wasn't necessarily Utah beating USC. I think it's like you're saying Ohio State's got a really good chance that one of those two teams are going to lose. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a good point there. All right, last one here. Um, we briefly talked about it. Primetime Dion should not consider the Colorado job. Overreaction or not? I say if it's a seriously consider, like consider, but if it's a seriously consider, uh, I think it is not an overreaction. I do not think he should he should seriously consider that job. I think that uh, he can get a better job, um, if not this year, definitely next year, and he's got a really good thing going. And I think making the the jump just because it's a, a bigger school, you know, bigger job, whatever, bigger conference, I don't think necessarily benefits him in, in the long term. In the short term, sure, probably one year of the money. But I yeah. think he's put himself in a position to 
be able to be very selective and, and put himself in the best possible position. And, and I don't think Colorado is the best possible position. I didn't get many eyes on Colorado games uh, this year. Um, mm-hmm. Did Rasham Salam graduate a couple decades ago? Because <laughs> um, I think that was the last time that they were oh relevant. They haven't been I good for a while. With, uh, what didn't Eric Bieniemy go there? Oh yeah, Eric Bieniemy did go. Oh, yeah, there. It's, it's been a long time, and I only know that because they beat Notre Dame um, for the for the title. But yeah, they they have not been relevant in in a very long time. So that's my way of saying it. it's he. He should run from that. He should say, thank you. I appreciate you. You will always be near and dear to my heart. It's not I will, me. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll wear, I'll wear one of your shirts underneath my sweater. But I am not robbing you. I am not going anywhere near your campus other than to kick your butt when I get my real job. De- Dion's like the, the – or Colorado's chasing the girl that's out of his league right there. That's Dion needs to stay away from Colorado's in Colorado's there. It's one of the lower, it's one of the worst jobs in the FBS that's open right now. That's, that's what I read earlier. It's not a very good job. Dion, Dion can do a lot better in Colorado. Agreed. Especially a pack 12. That is like, again, is it? Yep. All right. Well, that's uh wraps up um, episode number 23 of mental dimes bump and run podcast. uh hopefully you enjoyed it share like comment uh interact with us on twitter hopefully you'll come come back uh tuck if you're up for it you're certainly welcome every week um for sure we try to do it tuesdays but we started with sundays and then right now tuesdays are working but just whatever works for everybody so you're certainly welcome to come back and until next time We'll see y'all. Good luck tomorrow night, Trip. Thank you. Fourth round of the playoffs. Woohoo.